This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Today, our guest will be Renee Smith-Mater. She's a woman who was adopted by a Vietnam soldier from an orphanage during the Vietnam War. Actually, an American soldier. Yeah, it's a great story. We'll also chat about the latest headlines in the weekend roundup and get your feedback to our questions of the day. What do you like best about fall? And let's throw a second one in there just for the heck of it. What are your memories of the Vietnam War? Because we're going to be talking about that a lot today. You can join the conversation by giving us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hey, look, I don't know if you watched Ken Burns in Vietnam last night, and if you didn't, thankfully it's streaming. Of course, you can find it online. MPBonline.org will get you there. But I tell you what, um, it was strong, strong as onions. And guess what? We have about another, well, I don't know, 17 hours of it. It's just incredible. And um, our guest today... I've known Renee for a long time. Renee Smith-Mater. Renee Mater, as I know her as. Um, She is one of the most energetic people that you will ever come across. Um, If you need something done, you ask her to do it, and it'll get done early and on time and under budget. She's uh, one of the most really high-energy, wonderful people I know. But she has a story that will absolutely, if you sit here for the next hour, trust me, invest an hour because this is going to be worth it. It's going to blow you away. She was adopted by a very special soldier, U.S. soldier, during the Vietnam War and totally changed her life. Of course, she was a, an orphanage, in an orphanage, um, a Vietnamese baby, uh, still incredibly close to her dad. But this story just falls in line, of course, with the, what's going on with the Ken Burns documentary, and I wanted to get her on, and I think you're going to enjoy it. We'll talk with Renee here in just a few minutes. Uh, back to the documentary. Back, I, I don't know if you've watched Conversations. I hope you watch it. It's my television show. We did a show with Ken Burns, and Bruce Levingston actually did the interview because Bruce and Ken are close friends. It worked out well that way. But we went out to dinner the night after the interview up in Oxford. And so it was me, Ken Burns, and Bruce Levingston, who was like one of the top pianists in the United States. So I didn't really have much to add to that conversation. I'll be honest with you. I just kind of sat there with my mouth shut and listened. Ken Burns talked about all his documentaries and the backstories about it. Fascinating guy, as you could only imagine, the stories he has to tell. And then he kind of looked at us and he said, you know, I'm working on a project right now that I think just might be my best one. And we're all like, yeah, right, whatever. Because, I mean, of course, you got the Civil War, you got the war on World War II, you got baseball, you got, I mean, just all these great Ken Burns documentaries. So you're thinking, well, how can it be better? 
He said, it's about the Vietnam War. And we're like, whoa, no, 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 no. You might as well just go hit a hornet's nest with a baseball bat. Because the Vietnam War is one of the most controversial wars, obviously, in this nation's history. Uh, great social and military upheaval during that time, during the 60s. And we all know, I mean, basically what we've seen on documentaries and stuff. And I was like, wow, how's he going to approach this? And I said, how are you going to get the Vietnam War, which was our longest war, I guess now Afghanistan may be a little bit longer. How are you going to get that all into a few days worth of minutes? He said, oh, no, 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 no. We're doing 18 hours worth of things. I was like, okay, I'm there. I'm going to watch it. Well, flash forward a little bit. We did an event down in Ocean Springs, and it was fantastic. Uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting did, and I got to emcee it, which meant I got to be in the room where it happened. So you're looking around the room, and it's full of Vietnam War veterans. Now, these are guys and and a few women who honestly um, had some of the most difficult times We all know what happened to them. They come back, they get spit on the airport. You know, you hear all the stories. They didn't get the parades like their dads did after World War II. Uh, A lot of controversy. They're obviously protesters. So, I mean, they had been through a rigmarole anyway. That was a very difficult war. And you talk to anybody who fought in it, most of them won't even talk about what they did because it's so difficult for them to talk about. So we're sitting there. We show a one-hour kind of best of of the 18 hours, excuse me, by the time it was over, number one, there was applause, but there wasn't a dry eye in that room. And the thing I think is so amazing about the, the documentary, and of course they showed little bits and pieces, Ken Burns didn't just approach it from one direction. He went at it from every direction. So he's interviewing the U.S. soldiers, obviously, airmen, you know, Marines, everybody who fought in the war on our side. He also interviewed Viet Cong. Um, North Vietnamese soldiers, civilians, leadership on both American side, CIA people. I mean, it was coming from every single direction. So last night was the first episode, and I, I hope you got to watch it. If not, like I said, it's streaming online, or I'm sure we'll all get to watch it eventually. They explained to me more about why Vietnam happened in that one hour and change than all the history books that I've ever – of course, you got to understand, I mean, I'm – I'll be 50 this year, so which means I was born in 1967. The Vietnam War was at its height in 1967. So my first memories of Vietnam were what I saw on television uh, as a little kid. And and this is how sophisticated I was. I thought gorillas, when they were talking about the gorillas, were actual monkeys. Okay, I didn't understand the spelling difference on that. So I wasn't exactly a very literate little child. But I remember seeing the body counts and them talking about, you know, the withdrawals, the, the attacks, everything was going on. And then by the time I got into school, it wasn't in my history books. Nobody talked about it. And then, of course, in the 80s, we said we got Platoon, we got The Deer Hunter, we started getting movies and everything about Vietnam. And so we started having a little bit more understanding about what the troops went through over there and what the country went through over there. But even then, I don't think we under, totally understood it because we were just kind of getting that perspective on it. And I mean, it's it a total commercial for it. But if you've got the time and you really want to understand because I think to understand Vietnam is to understand where we are today because so much I mean that it affected our culture our music everything I mean there's still people walking around today even the protesters the folks that went to Canada the people I mean there's just a lot of people walking around I I put it up on Facebook today and suddenly I mean I even did a tweet about it last night and went viral because this is something where it's it's a scar that's beneath our, our shirts that's burning. 
and I think it's fantastic. And so I think Renee's going to be great too. Michelle, um, I've totally kept you quiet too long. <laughs> no, I enjoy listening to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good weekend, I trust. <laughs> Wonderful weekend. Uh, great weather. And speaking of weather, segue into our one of our questions. One of, of our the main day questions. Yeah, fall. Is, What's your favorite thing about fall? No back sweat. <laughs> Easy. Oh, God. Yours. Yeah. Huh. My favorite thing about fall is the colors. I love driving on the highway, driving anywhere, and watching the trees. When I was younger, I used to look at uh, the different levels of color. You go from bright orange to dark orange to red. And I still, to this day, love doing that. When I'm driving, I'm supposed to be watching a road. Yeah. But uh, I look at all of the colors of the trees, the colors of the gr- I just look at the sky. The sky looks different. It's bluer. The air feels different. And, you know, my birthday's in December, so I know it's getting closer to another year for me, but... Okay, what day is it? Just so that everybody can, like, steal your identity. <laughs> oh, my God. December 19th. Oh, my God. And, mine's 21st. Oh, you my God. Are, That's why... We're, we're practicing I said married. you were my... Yes, you were my bro- brother from another mother. Exactly. But also, like, being in Mississippi, uh, fall means the fair for me. But, you know, the fair is when traditionally the weather changes. Yeah, normally. And, yeah. and we've had some years where it was like 90 to ninety degrees and you're out down, downtown. And the fair smells so nice oh when it's 90 God. degrees. You can... Oh. And what's funny is that you can drive on 55 High, and past high Street. Yes. And I'm not talking about the good fried stuff. <laughs> talking about the cows and the, you know. But I just love it. Mm. And it just fall indicates... A change to me, and I just love it. I do too. Fall's my favorite season. Mm-hmm, I'd say it. Too. I like spring, except tornadoes and allergies. Those I don't like things. bees, bugs, yeah. ants, anything that could hurt me. So spring is when I'm most terrified. Here come the bees again. Here come you know. So I love fall. Is that all it takes to scare you? Yes, is a few bees. A bees. I'm a few write, bees are wise. Let me write that down. <laughs> okay. So how was your weekend? Mm, fan. Fantastic. Actually, it started Thursday night. Okay. Um, yeah, for my lovely spouse. Oh. I got tickets to go see you too down in New Orleans. I saw that uh, mm-hmm. Instagram. You Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, my gosh. It was wonderful. Of course, you know, we don't do anything normally. So we get the kids out of school right at the end. We drive like a bat out of Hades or out of Jackson, as the case may be in this case. Get down to New Orleans right as the end of Beck, who was the opening act. And so we get to enjoy the concert, which is fantastic. Fantastic. It was you two. I mean, I got to admit, Bono's in good voice. Sounded very much like he did in 1987. He, they did the Joshua Tree, which you got to, if you do the math, that's about my freshman year in college. Oh. So it was one of my favorite albums uh, just because of that time. So they did the whole album because it's the 30th anniversary of that album. God, that means I've been in school. Okay, I'm old. It's official. Um, but that was incredible. And then they started doing some greatest hits. And so. Amy, had my wife, uh, had gotten a copy of the set list because, of course, she's an internet sleuth. And so we knew that she didn't particularly like that last song. So we beelined it out of the Superdome as fast as we could to our car, which is parked across the street. We paid a pretty penny for it, but it was worth it. And we got out of the car. My, I was driving out of the parking garage so fast, my kids were about to barf. You know, like, <laughs> Dad, you're scaring us. And so I turned right, turn left, get down Canal, hit I-10. Before everybody gets out of there, because, you know, it's going right. to be late before we get home. Right. So I'm thinking, I'm going to get home on time. Boom. Road construction. New Orleans. So you didn't stay in New Orleans and get any good New Orleans food? No. What? Because I had to go to go to school the next day. Oh, It my. was a school night. Yeah. So you guys We got home at 2.30 in the morning. Ran yeah. down to New Orleans for a concert. And back. And it's <laughs> I do so much speaking around the state of Mississippi now that I don't think anything of it, of hopping in the car and driving six hours. Okay. And just back. So I, I will fast forward this a little bit. Needless to say, my cartoons that I did on Friday were not real good because I was running on four hours sleep. Oh, my. Next day, 
we go to the football game, of course, high school football. My son's in the band, so we went and cheered him on. My little son got to run down the field. That was awesome. And Renee's kids did, too, so we'll talk about that. Okay. And then I'm thinking, this is great. So 9 o'clock, halftime, I say, okay, i got to go to bed because 3 o'clock in the morning I had to take my son to, other son to the bus because he had a cross-country meet in Biloxi. Yeah, he ran well, except that, um, you know, he was tired and I was tired and we drove down there and watched it and cheered on and came home. So that was my weekend and it was fantastic. Yes, I did see you post posted the game and the kids running yes. through the uh, banner. How was that? I mean, it looked it, exciting. It is so much fun. It's like the beginning. It's like Braveheart mm-hmm. when all the kids run off, you know, <laughs> just expect them to yell freedom, you know, as they're running down that way. Uh, my son, you know, I feel like a penguin watching his kid fly because he's like really <laughs> fast and I'm not. So I'm sitting there watching him. He did well. He had a respiratory infection. It sounded like he was chain-smoking Marlboros oh, and just coughing and hacking. And I think he ran like a 19-minute 5K. Oh, so I was really proud goodness. of him on that. So not bad for 14. Not really. Yeah, his dad runs one in about 30 minutes. So <laughs> needless to say, a little bit slow. All right. We got a lot of good things to talk about. Yes, we do. And we're a great person to talk to him about. You're going to love the show. Renee's going to be in with us in just a second, talking a little bit about her incredible life. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Ken Burns, Vietnam's on. I hope you got a chance to watch the first episode last night. Of course, it's going to be on again tonight and the next day and the next day and the next day. And I don't know because it's long. But I tell you what, it's worth it. So I want to get in one of my friends who has an amazing story about her experience during the Vietnam War. We've got Renee Smith-Mater is in the house with us. And before I bring her on, I'm backwards today. Uh, two questions a day. What's your favorite thing about fall? Would love to hear. You know, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-627-464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Or what are your memories about Vietnam as well? We'd love to hear from you on that. Renee uh, Smith-Mater, what can I say about you? You are... A great mom. You are a community activist. You do a lot of work in the community at your kids' schools. Um, you've done work with Wyatt Waters in the past. That's how I met you. Right. Um, you are a bundle of energy, 110 miles an hour, everything you, you do. And you have one of the most amazing stories that I've ever heard in my life. And I, so I guess the best place to start is at the beginning. Well, I guess the beginning is, you know, most people... I didn't oversell it, did I? No. Okay, no, just checking. I, I, okay. Hopefully I can... Oh, you're going to let... You're going to do good. <laughs> I, I got faith in you. Um, you know, most people say I was born at Baptist Hospital, 7 pounds, 6 ounces, 12.04 p.m. And my story's always... I've always started mine as, I think I was born in a rice field and dropped off at the doorsteps of an orphanage. And 
I usually stop people in their tracks when I say that because most people's they're like you're like, kidding. Yeah, yeah, most people don't start out quite like that. You're being and, funny, and I truly, it truly is. Yeah. You know, um, there were hundreds and hundreds of babies dropped off, thousands of babies dropped off at orphanages all over Vietnam, and I happened to land at Tan Mai Orphanage in you know November of. 1970 uh, as, a, as a very, very small new infant. Um, and Sister Rosalie is who took care of me. She took me in and there were children of all different ages. And I was fortunately, I, I guess from according to my daddy, I was I was very I was petted. I was I was taken care of from the get go. My crib was the very first one in the door. So I was the last child attended to at night and the first one in the morning. So um, which is exactly how he came to find me. But, um, you know, I, I I guess it's just that's how my start is. That's that's my start. I don't I don't. I don't really. Yeah, you have a twin too, don't you? Uh, yes, I have a sister. We were um, we were raised in the same family. We didn't know about my sister until we were. I was actually the adoption was already final, and I'll go into all that in a yeah. minute. But um, Rhonda, I got here in May of seventy two, and Rhonda didn't arrive till December of the same year. So seven months later, we actually missed our second birthday together. And, um, you know, her experience coming in was a little different than me. And you don't realize the impact of just seven months on a, on a child that young. Right. My transition was difficult at first, but I kind of rolled straight into being just a child of the Smith family. Right. Uh, Rhonda's was a little bit more difficult. I think she had different memories and, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. uh, on on whatever level that was uh, for her. So um, I think when she came, fortunately, I was there to greet her at the door, and I was so excited to have her, and she was really excited to see a f- face that wasn't uh, an American, that looked more like her. There were right. very few of us around, and so when we saw each other, I think it was it was life it was impactful in a lot of ways so it was great it was great it really was, it was great. great and she's always been great she's one of my favorite people in the world we'll, we'll talk more about her in a yeah. few minutes um you, you mentioned ten thousand orphans now you gotta understand i'm obviously the, the, the vietnam war wasn't just the americans versus the north vietnamese or Viet Cong. it was like vietnamese against vietnamese too i mean there was a oh, lot going on right right it, you know i could never tell you the numbers of the orphans, but just the ones that, you know, I showed you the pictures of the orphanage and how the cribs were just stacked on top of each other. Um, And a lot of times there were two babies in in the cribs. Uh, So I could never, I could never even, I can't imagine the numbers of of orphans there were. And I have pictures of of me when I was very little, uh, but there were also orphans that were, you know, teenage girls so and then and then families where the parents have died and uh you know there might be they might stair step um before i came along there was another special little girl in my daddy's life uh and she was very little and he just uh, he loved her and he had lots of beautiful pictures of her and um she was actually closer to my brother's age um and he would have adopted her in a heartbeat uh had she not had i don't know four or five sisters uh in the orphanage with her. He just couldn't obviously Could bring break everybody up the home. Right. Yeah. But um, I, because of her situation, you know, I, I'm here. But uh, she she totally had his heart for the longest time. And then fortunately, I was in that first crib 
in the baby room. It was literally a God moment. It was. It's always been a God moment in my life, a hundred percent. Well, tell us a little bit about your dad because um, number one, he wasn't Catholic. So what what brought him into the middle at the time? What what brought him in the middle of a Catholic orphanage? Well, he was a big, rough and tough kind of guy. Yeah, Daddy is. uh, He was a major. Mm-hmm. So, and he was a pilot. He was a helicopter pilot. He uh, has a lot of. I've printed them off. One of my friends, who is uh, a, I mean, a major um, in the Air National Guard, I was asking her about his service medals because, you know, Daddy doesn't talk a lot about it to me. He never yeah. really has. He always has brought the most positive things to me when talking about it. He rarely, rarely has ever discussed anything negative with me. Um, so one day in, in conversation, I had uh, a picture of his metal board that he had framed. And he, um, I took a picture of it, and I showed it to her. And I said, what does all this mean? And she was, she was really impressed. So the next day, I was really surprised. She had taken the time to cut and paste all of the, I'm sitting here looking at it now, all of the metals and what they meant. And that piece of paper, um, you know, I, means more oh, a lot that that one email really changed me seeing what all he did because I really didn't know I mean I was 40 something years old and I knew he was a hero to me but right. these medals mean he was a hero to a lot of people so um anyway I was I was sitting here looking at it and I didn't I, what are all these V's where are all these bronze star these leaves or stars or whatever and I mean, V for valor, V for valor. Mm-hmm. There's a V three. So there's, yeah. Uh, you know, he has a, a Legion of Merit medal, a distinguished flying cross, blah, 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 you know, but when I talked to daddy about it, the one he said, you know, all those mean something to people right. and they mean something to you. That sounds really impressive. But the one he is the most proud of is his uh, Vietnam civic action medal. First class um, with palm device. Um, it is his personal, uh, Outstanding achievements in the field of civic affairs. And, you know. Which is where you come into the story. Which is where I go in. So you think, gosh, what does all that mean? You know, what does all that mean? His body of work there. um, You know, I'm, I'm a lot of the end result of his body of work. But my mother put this scrapbook together for me. And when you start reading through the. I I guess I read the letters that the nuns wrote to my mother, and I read them as a, you know, 12-year-old, and I read them as a 20-year-old. But then one day you read them as a real adult, one that has, it's going to mean something to you. And one day I read them, and I thought, this, it was so much more. You think you know what you're reading, and then you read it again, and then you read it again. And every time you read it, it is, I could read it again today, and I haven't read them in a few years and I would find one more thing that I have to be proud of, to be, you know, to be grateful for. So I think that these letters, and I'll read them again. I'll probably read them as soon as I leave here just because I brought it up. But um, I really feel like uh, when I, we were talking about the special, some of the things that I remember reading in the letter really came out last night when I was watching it, the the, the show. And I think over the next 18 hours... Uh, I'll, I'll feel them again, and I'll see it. I'll see some of that action again. 
I have a feeling by the time that the 18 hours of Kim Burns Vietnam is over with, your dad will go probably grow another two feet in height. Probably. Yeah. Probably. You know, uh, he recorded it. I talked to him on the way here. And um, my daddy's 80, almost 82. If I have his 82nd birthday in October. And um, he is, you know, truly, I can't start talking about it. I'll start crying. He's he's a hero. We have have tissues. Good. good. We'll, We'll take care of you here. You talk about you. So I just love this mental image of this big, burly officer who's a tough guy. He's a major. You don't get to be a major without having, you know, some command presence. Right. You know, he's a hero. He (laughs) flies a helicopter into combat. And then he's like a sucker for a little baby girl. Well, I have this picture. You know, I always love hearing my story. You know, every kid loves to hear their story. But um, there's a picture of me and I have this big, big eyes, this big brown eyes. And. Uh, the story goes. Your hair's a little shorter in the picture, It was was very, very much shorter. But he uh, sent this picture to my mother. And back, you know, then it was snail mail. It wasn't emails and texts and, you know, computer. You know, you could, it was, there were no instant gratification moments then. It's, you write a letter and hopefully a week, week and a half later, you would get it in the hands of the intended recipient. But um, he sent this letter to my mother and, he he wrote, this little girl will be a Smith one day. Well, m- mother had four children at home, you know, of varying ages. And I I can't imagine what anybody would say, but, you know, she was not in favor of it at first. And I don't blame her. The, the, there's never been any bad feelings about that. I can right. totally understand that. But um, she, uh, he just said it was going to happen. And so she got on board and um, they really went to work and, trying to get me and you know they were they were uh not catholic they were protestant and it wasn't going to happen the nun said it's not going to happen uh yeah. this is a catholic orphanage and unless you're catholic or you want to change to being catholic or convert it wasn't happening so he asked uh to have a special meeting with the bishop and uh he was granted the meeting because of all his of his service work and uh I mean, he was surrounded by guards. I mean, he was a very high political figure uh, back then, and I mean, still now. Yeah. Uh, the bishop takes a very high role in uh, in Vietnam, and he asked, and he said no, and Daddy said, "Well, that just made me want to work." He didn't leave. He said he wasn't leaving until he got the right answer, and he did. So um, he he was able to get me, and uh, he put me in a hotel room with two of the female officers that he had because he wanted to get me immediately out of the orphanage so they wouldn't change their mind. Right. <laughs> he was afraid they would change their mind. So I spent a few days in an orf- uh, in a hotel with two of his female officers, and I, I was really sick. He just told me that. He said, you were so, so sick. And, uh, of course, I have, you know, had to have all the medical exams and everything, and I have a copy of the medical exams in my in my, bu- my book, but I uh, Anyway, I was able to get there, and I was able to get out of the country, and that's another story. I'll talk about that in a minute. We will continue this conversation with Renee Smith-Mater. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have so far. Of course, we're question of the day is this. What do you like about fall, and what are your memories about Vietnam? We'll throw in two there, 877-672. That's 877-MPB-RING. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We are talking with Renee Smith-Mater. She's a Vietnamese orphan who was adopted by a U.S. soldier during the Vietnam War. Uh, Literally, he changed her life for the better. He's a hero in so many different levels. And, of course, I hope you've been listening and enjoyed the first segment. Of course, you can always listen to us on mpbonline.org. There's a special show where you can listen to past shows or you can, you know, just sign up for the podcast as well. Renee, you uh, were showing me a picture and you've got right here. We put it up on Facebook Live because we are streaming on the MPB Facebook page right now. There is a fantastic photograph of you standing there with your incredibly short haircut, which, you know, is probably (laughs) nice in the summertime. Your dad's sitting there looking at you lovingly, and and the nun is in the background. Tell us, I mean, just Um, when when was that picture? When did it happen? I think that one, okay, uh, my daddy was, like I said, he he did a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, He, on Sundays, how he came about to get finding me, I guess we didn't talk about that. Um, On Sundays, he was a pilot, and he had men that reported him, and on Sundays, they would come to the orphanage and they would do work they would play with the children they would uh, teach them you know the games and play with them and they did a lot of repair work they did a lot of uh just they just did a lot of things to help help with the uh, orphanage and uh anything that sister rosalie wanted she, she they would try to make make it happen for her. and this is sister rosalie and she's putting it up to the microphone so you can see it. Look in your speaker and you can see it also on that's Facebook Live. That's right. That's right. Um, this is Sister Rosalie. And one daddy, uh, she needed something. And so daddy said, well, we need to get a campaign going to help raise money. So he brought, he found the uh, the PR person, the photographers and the writers uh, back then. And he brought them the next time he came on the, the next Sunday. And he uh he did a whole shoot. I mean, all these pictures that I have were done with this photographer and, uh, they had a campaign. They did flyers. They collected money from the soldiers. My mother was very instrumental in finding, um, and sending clothes and toys and diapers, uh, for different things back from, she was, in, uh, in Alabama and mobile to different places at different, he did two tours. So she okay. was different places. Um, they collected things. My aunt and uncle had a uh, dry cleaner. So people would bring things in and drop it off at the dry cleaners. And she found ways to ship it to Vietnam. So there were a lot of things in here that were the, all the contributions were shipped over and it was a pretty big undertaking at the time. So with four kids at home, she's doing all that. And then he says, I want to bring another one home. So I, you know. <laughs> as a lot of people right now are knowing because they've, of course, their husbands or wives have been sent overseas. So they know how it is to run a household by yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. With four kids. And, you know, it was simpler, obviously, back then because, you know, the, the activities for the kids were different. And the, so you and just the, let them out in the backyard and let yeah, them run loose. You know, it, it was different, but. Raising four children, you know, you know, teenagers on down, you know, it was it was a lot. You yeah. Know? So for like I said, for her to him to consider bringing me home and her consider letting him. <laughs> right. You've got one piece of clothing with you today, which I think is absolutely wonderful. A because it looks probably as new as it did the day that right. you first wore it. Right. What is it? Tell us a little bit about it. Um, it's an 
I'm going to mess up the word. It's an A-Dow, A-O-I-D-A-O. It's a traditional Vietnamese dress, and my sister and I both have one, and it was uh, it was what we brought, what I brought home. Well, it wasn't what I actually came home in, but it was a dress that she and I wore when she got home. Yeah. And we have our first Christmas picture together in that. So she came in December. And so we have this Christmas picture. We were in the newspaper in this dress. And um, so it's always been something very special to me. And my daughter actually wore it on her second Easter. So, I, you know, I love seeing her in that dress. It just She about busted out of it because she wasn't quite as she's a lot bigger than I am. But uh it's very special to see her in that dress. That is that is incredible. Talk about you. You mentioned your dad really had to like jump through hoops and and bend rules and everything else to get you there. Talk about the process of getting getting to Alabama and the reception because you mentioned a little bit about it. What was it like when you came to Alabama? Well, I, I just asked him I, when I called right before I got here. I wanted to make sure I had all of my stories right because you know at forty six a lot of that gets you know jumbled jumbled. Um, but he told me that, you know, once he got me to the hotel and we were, uh, he was working out all the details, he, one of his friends, who was also a, a soldier, was coming home, or he he was getting ready to come home almost at the exact same time, and he agreed to bring me home. Oh, wow. So they got the medical stuff figured out. Uh, they filled me full of Benadryl and stuck me on a plane <laughs> with just he and the pilot, and they got me from Vietnam to, you know, various different stops all the way to San Francisco. And then uh, I spent a few days in San Francisco with his family until another soldier, a friend of his, he could pass me off to him. And uh, I flew from San Francisco to Birmingham where my mother and my aunt met me. And uh, I apparently there was TV crews and everything there to greet me. So, wow. it was, yeah, it was exciting. You were famous. Yeah. Uh, well, I was really scared and really sick. So, yeah. How uh, old were you at that time? I was 17 months old. 17 months I weighed old, 14 yeah. pounds. Wow. 17 months old, weighed 14 pounds. So, I mean, most people can do the math and think about that. That's a six-month-old, right. you know. So um, I was very sick. I had lots of sores in, you know, my head. And uh, I was just really, really sick. But uh, I, I got home, and, uh, you know, I was greeted with, the warmest reception and I was very loved very quickly and uh so got some medicine in me and I got better what were your first memories of being in Alabama because you were probably a little bit older before you really remember I wasn't in Alabama that's where they picked me up um well let me think Fort Benning is where I came to first but that's right across the board right Mm -hmm. for uh that's where I came to first and we bounced around a lot uh because of military yeah um but you know, I was so little back then. I guess really my first memories, um, you know. I, Your older brothers and stuff. Yeah, it was <laughs> really Charleston. Yeah. It was when we were in Charleston. I, you know, I have vague memories of the of that house and, and growing up. But, you know, my brother, uh, my oldest brother was uh, 16, almost 17 when I got here. So he, oh, wow. yeah. you know, he was already halfway out the door. Right. You know, um, so... It wasn't. It, we weren't all in the house for very long together at all. Just a couple of years, but uh, and so as, when I got to the United States, uh, Daddy came right after me. He was finishing up that tour, and then they found. Uh, I found out I had a sister, and yeah, how did that not come up? I mean, apparently, Sister Rosalie uh, 
when my dad got here, he said, well, what about our sister? He said, what do you mean? What about what sister? So they started the paperwork over again and they got my sister here. It took about seven months for her to get here and to get all the, to get everything. I mean, it was, it just didn't happen. Are y'all identical twins or fraternal? No, we're not. Oh, okay. Um, and there's another story to that too, but I'll, I'll dive into that later. Uh, it just didn't happen being adopted from a Catholic orphanage to a non-Catholic family. It right. didn't happen. And so... Uh, but once, once again, it's a God thing. I mean, it's a it miracle. Really it's a really a miracle you're here. And, you know, you know, a lot of the things that people do, I think, you know, good things and bad things will either help them or hinder them in, in the future. And that's right. truly one of these, is a, a pure example of it. Because, you know, Daddy didn't do all of those things and help the orphanage and that part of that wasn't processed to to bring a child home he had four at home so he wasn't trying to do that it just the things that he did ahead of time or beforehand helped his cause in in, in getting in getting me here so it 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 never was his purpose to say i'm going to do all these good things and then hope i bring a child home that never was in his you know realm of thinking to bring me home but he said it took about a month once he once he uh, met me and got me. He yeah. said it was a month. And I, I said, well, how long did it take you to figure out you wanted me? He said about a month. So well, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I charmed him fast, didn't you, I? You were good. Very good. <laughs> what, what's your dad's name? I, His name is Horace, but everybody's always called him Smitty. Smitty. Mm-hmm. Smitty Smith. Smitty Smith. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Now, how, how did your um, brothers and sisters, are they pretty cool, too? You know... I think that I was just such a fun thing to play with when I was little yeah. that they, they loved having me around. Um, <clears throat> you know, like I said, they were a lot of them were older, older. and they were doing their thing. And uh, that I was I mean, I was treated very well as a yeah. child as, you know, I mean, they're great. I have an older sister who's who's also uh, married a man who's in the military. Um, they've been through the whole military service. Her two sons are active duty oh, wow. army right now. Very, very proud of them. Um, we have, we come from a long line of uh, military, army, yeah. m- military family. And then I have a nephew who's also a, mar- a Marine now. My Mike's sister's son is a current Marine now. And uh, Mike super, is your husband. Mike is my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Good he, guy. We're super, super proud of him too. So we, we just, we have a lot of great representation for the military, a lot of love for the, those that serve us. What was it like growing up in, you grew up in Mobile, right? I did. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Mobile? Cause I mean, the Vietnam War was a, a tough subject. Did you ever find any blowback on that? You know, I did. Um, it, I was one of very few, uh, Asian people, period, but Vietnamese people at uh, in all my schools. And, you know, sometimes when you grow up in an all-Asian family, you have your place. And right. then if you grow up as in an, you know, in a normal, standard mama-daddy birth family, yeah, you have your place. But, you know, Rhonda and I were clearly different from our red-headed mama and our brown-haired blue-eyed daddy. Uh, you know, so we... We definitely had a, a different story. Nobody matched us when we walked into a place, and I'd called her mama or call him daddy or whatever. It, so we always had a story, no, yeah. you know. And then they had four other children that looked like them, and so, you know, it, it. There were definitely times that it was it was challenging. There was a lot of, uh, you know, there were some people that weren't very nice about it. You know, we created negative memories for some people. You know, if people were. Um, 
lost somebody in the war, you know, I, it, sometimes it came back, and sometimes I got the... You're like, hey, I was a baby. I, I know, lost my parents. I, I got know? the brunt of yeah. it, but, you know, uh, and that's always... That's always a... That says more been, about them, though, than about you, right, obviously. Right, but, you know, you can't tell that to somebody who's sure in the fourth grade or the whatever. You know, I have lots of stories, and I'm not going to fill this hour for any of those, but yeah. I think truly all of those moments and those experiences made me... A much stronger it person. It shaped you. Yeah, it shaped really me did. completely. And I don't, you know, I, nobody wants that. Uh, nobody likes that negative uh, feeling or those yeah. those experiences. But it is what but it is. But it shaped you in a positive way. Because, and same thing about your dad. Because him <clears throat> doing that and changing your life in such a radical and wonderful way, you really feel like you, I mean, I, I and I've known you for, gosh, over 10 years. Um, you have more energy than any human being I've ever come across. <laughs> but, I mean, you just feel like I've, you have a feeling of gratefulness, don't you? You know, that's I, I really do. Yeah. I, my, my level of gratitude is is probably higher than most. I don't spend a lot of time um, uh, not being not grateful. I right. mean, I, you know, and I'm, I instill that in my children a lot. I'm really, really hardcore with them on that. Yeah, see, I beat mine. I was like, hey, you better be grateful. And a whack. You well, know. I'm you just know, kidding. I didn't know children were harmed <laughs> in the making of that joke. Ten years ago, uh, and this this comes back to it, I, um, we went to Vietnam. And yeah, I'll, we'll talk about that we'll after the that. break because it's right. a very powerful story, too. We're talking with Renee Smith-Mater. I tell you what, I hope you've been listening this hour. This is great. If not, you can go to our online site, mbbonline.org, and hear this probably, I think, probably by tomorrow. So we'll let you know, and I'll put it up on all my Facebook and Twitter as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We are talking with Renee Smith-Mater. I mean, just incredible story. She was just taken out of an orphanage by her army soldier pilot dad who is an incredible hero smitty uh, i hope you're listening right now because i tell you what you you changed a lot of people's lives by bringing over an incredible person and i appreciate you being on today renee um the bad thing about radio is that you're showing me all these wonderful pictures and so we're gonna have to get you on tv too we're gonna have to do that just so we can get the pictures on too I, I would guess so. After time, you probably start a little bit curious about where you came from. How did you end up going back to Vietnam? Well, that's a crazy story. Um, <clears throat> I used to be, uh, I used to work at Union Planners Bank back when it was here, and I was in the corporate office. And one of my bank presidents called me one day and said, "I have one of my customers who's going to Vietnam, and uh, they want to talk to you." And I kind of told them that I let you. <laughs> Uh, that you would be glad to talk to them. I yeah. said, well, it, if they're going to Vietnam, they probably know more about Vietnam than I do at this point. Right. I mean, they were doing a uh, Southern Miss had a, a trip, uh, a two week, uh, that gap 
between the spring and the summer where they do study abroad. And uh, I said, you can tell her to call me. So I did. And I ta- I literally gave her five pieces of information. I told her that I was adopted from Vietnam by a soldier, told his name. Sister Rosalie was who raised me in Tan Mile Orphanage in 1970. I mean, it was the basics of me. Yeah. So she said, okay. So two and a half, three weeks later, I'm sitting at my desk and I get a phone call. She said, oh, you're not going to believe this. I found her. I said, what? What? I said, she goes, are you sitting down? I said, I am now. <laughs> and uh, she said, I found her. I found Sister Rosalie. I said, what do you mean you found Sister Rosalie? I mean, never in my... What are the odds? Yeah. Okay. No, the story gets better. Okay. So um, when I went, I uh, there was a guy on the tour, but it wasn't with their tour. I gave him $25, which the conversion rate to Vietnam at the time was like 300 and. $80 a year uh, for a salary. Yeah. That's what this, so $25 was mm-hmm. a lot of money. She gave him a couple of rolls of film uh, and said, if you can find this orphanage, can you see, you know, see if it's still there? So he said, okay. So the guy took off. He was from Vietnam. He took off, and she never heard from him again. And so she thought, well, okay. So she's sitting in the airport waiting to come back home. She sees this guy sprinting through the airport. And he said, I find her, I find her. She said, what? He said, I have pictures for you. And she said, what? And so he biked from Ho Chi Minh City, yeah. <clears throat> the airport, or whatever, all the way to uh, Benoit, which is where the city uh, I was, where the orphanage is, and asked around. One of the nuns that raised me also was still there. But it's not a orphanage anymore it's a boys home and a home for the elderly um knew exactly who she was because she was a nun yeah uh a dominican nun and um she they got her email address and all of her stuff and she brought it back took pictures so she had the pictures developed and ready for me and i literally i said when can we meet when can we meet so two days later i'm sitting in meridian mississippi watching my life unfold again I'm looking at these pictures of the same orphanage that I have pictures of. The the walls are the same color. Everything about it is exactly the same, except for it's, you know, 30-something years later. So I go back to my office, and I'm really, I, I you know, my my world's really changed at this point. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, uh, I email her. I th- well, first of all, I call my daddy, and I call my sister and tell them, and then I email her. She knew exactly who I was. She oh, knew exactly, wow. you know, there wasn't anything. She didn't skip a beat. Uh, she, of course, had not spoken English in a long time. And she was one of the few that spoke English well back then. But so she was a little broken in English and translation. But uh, so we booked a trip to Vietnam. And uh, that was 2001. Uh, we booked a trip for November. We were leaving actually on my birthday. And uh, Daddy was going, and um, we, it was it was just we, was, it, we were doing it. And then September 11th happened, oh. so we had to cancel the trip. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was on the phone with the embassy, and they were like, "You cannot go. It's a communist country. We're dual citizens, so our the laws and rules apply to us in Vietnam. We can't. So it's different. Yeah. So fast forward, we didn't get to life changes. Things happen. Um, in 2006, I had a baby. I remarried to my husband and we have a baby and we, uh, 
we lose her. She she passes away at birth. And uh, so we try to get pregnant, and I couldn't get pregnant and couldn't get pregnant. And so finally one day I said, I have to put this down for just a little while. It was just, it was a devastating time for me. And I walk in and tell my husband, I said, I really, really want to go back to Vietnam. I just think that I just need to walk away and do that. And so, um, so we, I said, if you don't want to go, I totally understand. And he kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Of course I want to go. So we called my sister and said, I really want to go, and I don't want to do this trip without you. At that time, she had four adopted children. My sister does. <clears throat> I think they were two and three at the time, and uh, and then the nine and ten. I don't know. They were really young. And so somehow, because she's as stronger and strong as I am, or she uh, she. She, we end up going. So anyway, we go back, and Sister Rosalie, we work it all out, and Sister Rosalie greets us at the airport. We, she takes us back to, she takes us back to the hospital where she is now a doctor, after serving ten years in the rice field. Because like at the end of the war, there was kind of a reeducation <clears throat> right. deal. Yeah. Any educated person, anybody with any kind of anything about them, uh, they gets into the rice fields for ten years. So yeah. after that, she became a doctor. Uh, and so we went to the hospital and spent a few days there. And we ended up redoing her kitchen and doing some fun things for her. And I, I really it was and it was amazing. Did you bring she, your dad on this trip? No, he couldn't go. At this okay, time. but but. But you did just what he did. That's what was so beautiful about it. It was, yeah, it was yeah. amazing. And and she ended up taking us on the way from our trip being done. We ended up going back to the orphanage. I love that you've got a great picture of you and her together from that trip. Right. And like you said, she looks like she could be my mom. She It's scary. But yeah. She really looks like she could be my mom. So I I told her she was always my In first kind of mother. Way she was. She absolutely yeah. was my first mother, and she took very good care of me. So I have a lot to be grateful for. I think a great way to wrap up the show would be for you to read a little bit of one of the letters. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, this is to my mother, and it was written right after we... Um, Right after I got here, it was before Rhonda, and uh, I'm just going to read a little bit. She wrote, Dear Miss Carol Smith, your great kindness emboldens me to write this letter. I would like to thank you very much for your beautiful letter. All of us very happy that Lon is well now. God has... Choisted, God has choisted her for her a good parent. I am fine, thank be to God. Your husband, Major Smith, gave me some pictures that were taken at your home. It is very nice. Also, show me your family. Love baby very much. I miss her very much, but be more, but be sure that she has good home so that I can not be sorry. Major Smith has helped us with anything we needed. I don't know how to say many thanks for his work at my at my orphanage. Only God knows him and bless him for everything he does. Finally, Miss Smith, thank you very much for your help. I had received many things from you by your husband. Well, I like to talk with you, but my writing is very poor in English. I'm afraid I don't understand it if you read well this. Hope talk with you in next letter. May God bless you and keep you in his care. Very what, sincerely yours. What a wonderful treasure Rosalie. that you have that. Yes, I do. I have, a, I have a bunch of them. Renee, thank you so much for spending the hour with us today. What a moving, wonderful story. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Now you're talking as production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and produced by the amazing Michelle McAdoo. Fantastic as well. And, of course, we've been doing social media today, too. So, Ellie, thank you for that as well. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. And you, of course, can find us at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking. We'll see you all next week.